You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javet, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. In this podcast, we cover everything from churches and church planting efforts, mission and missions organization evangelism, and unreached people groups, emerging movements and initiatives, justice, current events related to faith, and the persecuted church too author interviews, and more. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javed. Today, I am joined uh, once again by Rachel Pye Jones. Our topic today focuses on Christians interacting with Muslims during the holiday season. Rachel writes about life at the crossroads of faith and culture. Her work is influenced by living as a foreigner in uh, the Horn of Africa. Raising three third culture kids and adventurous exploration of the natural world she has written for the New York Times, Runner World, Deadspin, The Big Round Table and more. She has published two books, Stronger Than Death and Pillars, How Muslim Friends Led Me Closer to Jesus which she has previously discussed on this show. She and her family moved to the Horn of Africa for her husband to work at local universities and help to develop courses and programs. Currently, they direct an international school. Thanks for joining us again, Rachel. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's really nice to be back. Oh, man, I'm so happy to have you back on our show. Um, I know that in the previous episode, we did ask you to share a little bit about your family, but just in case people missed that episode, um, we're going to post that or at least put the link there for them. But would you just uh, um, you know, give a brief introduction to your family? Just tell us a little bit about our, your family so that people uh, relate with you. Sure. So we are originally from Minnesota in the United States. Um, My family moved, like you said in the intro, to the Horn of Africa in 2003, and we've lived here ever since. I have three kids. Uh, One of them was actually born here, so she is Jerusalem American, Um, and they are 22, 22, and 17. And actually right now, so this is an international family because I'm in Djibouti with my husband. One of our kids is in Kenya. One of our kids is in Morocco, and one of them is in the United States. And so... We kind of once you've shown your kids the world, they they're just not afraid to go anywhere. So it's it's pretty fun to watch them grow up. That's awesome. To start off, what has been your experience celebrating Christmas in Djibouti, a Muslim majority country? So we've been here a long time, and things have really changed over the years. In the beginning, in two thousand four, there was really no, no external public signs of Christmas you know, no music, no decorations. It was sort of whatever we did as a family in our home. But more and more, you see these external signs of the holiday. So even we have Santa who comes to one of the big hotels in town. He comes with camels instead of reindeer and his sleigh. Um, Some of the employees at various stores will wear Santa hats. And there's even um, Christmas trees for sale off and on. And for a while, there was one of my favorite things, there was a Christian Filipino butcher working at one of the grocery stores in town. And he would, every Christmas, he would make these incredible ground beef sculptures to celebrate the holiday. Sometimes it would be a snowman made out of ground beef with carrots or potatoes for kind of the body parts of the snowman. Sometimes it would be this elaborate Santa face with different 
quantities of fat meat to judge or to make the white and the red kind of shades of Santa. So people started going to this grocery store to see what kind of things he would create. It was just very strange and very fun and we loved it. Um, and one of our regular family traditions that's not so strange, I guess, is that we go to church on Christmas Eve and our church is this lovely international community of people from all across Africa, from Europe, the United States. Um, and we gather on Christmas Eve and we sing and celebrate. And what's interesting about that here is that the local population is 99% Muslim. And here we are going to this public church building on our, you know, one of our high holy days, high celebration day. And outside the church will be armed soldiers for security purposes. And so on the one hand, I feel kind of uncomfortable walking past these big weapons to go into worship. On the other hand, these soldiers, some are French, some are Djiboutian, and especially that there's Djiboutians out there guarding us. These guys are Muslim and they are out there making sure that the Christians have a place to come to worship on Christmas Eve together that, that will be safe. And so there's this sense of, um, yes, we're different, we're minority, we're unique, but we're also welcome and we are protected and we have friends and community here. And so even though it's difficult, it's also really beautiful. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I do appreciate that, uh, that the security is provided by the local community as well. Uh, but also, I think it's a, it's a sign of, you know, when you're going uh, in that kind of place and protected, it's also a sign of like persecution is real. Uh, the world is crazy. And uh, it just gives you a sense like here in the United States, we don't need to do anything like that. Um, when we go to, so it, it does show that uh, contrast too. So have you or your husband started any new Christmas traditions that have been inspired or necessitated because you are in Djibouti? Yeah. So we have some things that we joke about, like we hang our stockings over the air conditioner by care or with care instead of over the fireplace because it's so right. hot. Um, we actually go to the beach and we camp out the day after Christmas. And then the next day we go swimming with whale sharks Wow! come through the, the Gulf of Tajura every December and January. And so, you know, we're from Minnesota where there's no way you're going to the ocean beach swimming with sharks the day after Christmas. But these are things that we've definitely incorporated into our family tradition. The kids, that's what they need to do at Christmas. Wow. That's something, right? Wow. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> So like all religions, there is very, very wide spectrum of uh, beliefs among Muslims. At one end, Christmas as a purely secular holiday, that is um, uh, Santa Claus, is uh, celebrate, celebrated by many Muslims. And you kind of like alluded to that. This guy is making those, uh, you know, uh, with meat, he's creating those things. So it's, it's, it's in many uh, you know, places, they are doing that in Muslim uh, countries around the world. On the other hand, or the, on the other end of uh, spectrum, more conservative Muslims believe that wishing someone Merry Christmas is haram or forbidden. Can you explain why? Uh, just, just for us, just explain why for the Western audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just want to make sure to point out that my experience is really limited to Djibouti and primarily 
Somali Javushin Muslims. And so like you mentioned, there is a lot of global diversity. And so, um, you know, and even within Somali Muslims, you'll find a lot of diversity about how to think about Christmas. Um, and there are some families that want to do Santa Claus with my family. So they would invite their kids into our home, you know, for us and say, we want our kids to have fun with Santa um, or friends who have no problem saying Merry Christmas to us. I've even had friends give us Christmas gifts. Um, and then there's other people who feel really uncomfortable about that. And of course, all those things are the cultural things like the, you know, Santa's kind of a game. That's right. not deeply religious part of Christmas, right? Which is even potentially more divisive. And so, um, you know, part of it, I think, is that there's a lot of misconceptions that Muslims have about Christmas, which is not a negative judgment. It's just true. I mean, how would they really understand Christmas? It's not a Muslim holiday. And so just like Christians have a lot of things we don't understand about Islamic religious practice, um, there's just things they, they don't understand. And so people have asked us things like, hey, why do Christians worship trees in December? Or why do Christians dress up Jesus as a jolly man with a white beard who gives candy to children? And so, you know, I can see why that's confusing. We say this is a holiday about Jesus, and then we decorate these trees and we have this strange man who's giving candy to children riding around in a, a sleigh. Um, and so I can understand why when it's not their holiday, they're confused by these things. Um, and then, so that can make them uncomfortable just because they're confused. But then also there's the real reason, right? Of why we celebrate Christmas, which is the birth of Jesus. And that can sometimes get lost and all these other things, but that religious level, um, that's where a lot of Muslims, like you said, they would consider it haram to participate in anything Christmas related. And, um, you know, Jesus is in the Quran and he's part of Islam, but the Islamic understanding of who Jesus was and the significance of his birth is pretty different to how Christians think about these things. And, uh, and even within Islam, they have the prophet Muhammad, but it's, his birthday is not widely celebrated. Some do, but I would at least here, most don't celebrate the prophet's birthday. And so, and Jesus in Islam is not elevated differently from other prophets. And so to celebrate his birth in a special way, you know, apart from, or kind of above the births of the other prophets, that's an anathema to Muslims. It, it wouldn't be appropriate. And so, um, yeah, that, that real difference of why we're celebrating Christmas that can contribute to Muslims feeling like, you know, this is religiously not okay with us to participate. Yeah. So there's a cultural aspect that create confusion. And then there is a religious aspect that why they shouldn't celebrate. Um, so how would you recommend a Christian explain Christmas to a Muslim? You know, it can be something as simple as this is the day we remember Jesus's birth. My, my grandmother, when I was young, she used to actually bake a birthday cake on Christmas and our family would even sing happy birthday to Jesus, which when I look back now, it seems a little bit funny, um, but it's also really sweet in its simplicity. And so that's a, a very easy way to say it, but then, okay, so Jesus was born. Why does that matter? Why is that such a big deal? We have other prophets in the Bible as well, and we don't have big holidays for their births. Um, so so then a Christian can explain Christmas is when we Christians celebrate the word of God coming to dwell among humans. We call it the incarnation and the Bible refers to Jesus being Emmanuel as one of his names, which means God with us. And so rather than 
a God who is far away. In Jesus, God drew near to humans. And, uh, and Jesus, once from the time of his birth through the years of life on earth, was really demonstrating and showing the character of God. Hebrews in the Bible talks about Jesus being the exact representation of God's being. And so in Jesus's life and you know, beginning with his birth, humans could actually see and experience the character of God, which is absolutely incredible. And a, it's a mystery as to how this works, but this is what Christmas is really about. It's marking that moment in time when the word of God put on flesh and came and dwelled among humans. Would you say that's uh, how we can uh, reach out to Muslims or start a conversation about Jesus during this holiday season? Yeah, you know, I think about that and uh, I think it's a way to have a conversation for sure. I don't know if I would put it in the phrase of reaching out, okay. um, which can kind of sound like making a target of somebody, but for sure it's a way to have a conversation with friends, coworkers, neighbors um, about what this whole holiday is about. I think it's I think it's really valuable for Muslims and Christians to know that we both actually have stories about Jesus in our religious traditions and in our holy books. And like I said, they're different and we're going to have very different ways of how we value and treasure those stories in terms of what they mean to us. But we can at least start with what we have in common. Um, the Quran includes stories of Jesus's birth. There's two chapters in particular that have several stories of Jesus. One is chapter three, Al-Imran in the Quran, and the other is uh, chapter 19, Surah Miriam, when um, actually the, an angel comes to a young woman, a virgin named Mary, and tells her that she will have a pure son who will be a word from God. And then the spirit will breathe on her and cause this pregnancy because she has found favor with God. This is very familiar to a Christian to hear these kinds of words, right? And then Mary delivers the baby and she comes back to the people and they're, this is all from the Quran, they're skeptical about her purity and about this baby. And so Jesus, the infant speaks from the cradle and he declares peace upon himself the day he was born, the day he dies and the day he's raised alive. And uh, I think about just that, those little bits um, that we can have conversations about with Muslim friends, not to say, hey, I know what the Quran says about Jesus, but to, to say, I've heard that Jesus is in the Quran and there's stories about his birth in the Quran. Could you tell me about that? What do you know about Jesus's birth and about why he was born? And so I think this framing of ask, asking questions, being curious about some of those similarities, there's a lot of conversation that can happen. And then Christians can also share, hey, here's what I know about the birth of Jesus from the Bible. And here's why the Bible says he came. And uh, it can be, there's a, other misconceptions or misunderstandings that Muslims can have about, for example, son of God. So Jesus, Mary, you know, bearing this son and, and this language of Jesus being the son of God. Well, we do not mean that God had sex with Mary to produce a baby boy, right? right. We mean this miraculous incarnation that I mentioned of God coming and being among humans and, uh, and this word of God coming. So it's a, it's a great opportunity um, to take talk about these things, especially in the framing of curiosity and delight. So, you know, you have a Muslim friend or neighbor and you can say, hey, can I let you know what I love about Christmas? What's your favorite holiday? Tell me about your favorite holiday. Um, and then just, you know, have conversations that start from that shared place.
That's awesome. It's a very healthy approach uh, to build a relationship and not to tear, uh, tear down uh, um, individuals because of uh, religious beliefs. I love mm -hmm. it. So mm -hmm. in a country like the United States, uh, where the majority is of Christian ancestry and Christians are not a minority, what would you like to tell Christians in America about reflecting Jesus during the Christmas season? I think because of this fact that you mentioned that Christians are not a minority in the United States, it can be really easy for American Christians to be experienced by the global church or by people who aren't Christians, kind of like that proverbial elephant in the China shop, kind of stomping around and a bit oblivious to our size and impact on the world. And so I would, I, I think having postures of humility, curiosity, and delight go a really long way in, in letting Christians practice our own faith while also respecting others. So, and specifically in the light of conversation around Christmas, um, I would encourage American Christians to be curious about international Christianity in the context of Christmas. So what does it look like? I mean, like you're asking me right now, what does it look like for a Christian in a Muslim country to celebrate Christmas? What does it look like for Kenyans in Kenya to celebrate Christmas? Um, what does Christmas look like around the world? One practice for a family might be every day of Advent during the Christmas season, learn about how Christmas is celebrated in a different country. Um, and then, yeah, so there's this song that came out through some humanitarian development things by, it was made by Band-Aid in 1984 called, Do They Know It's Christmas in Africa? Which is pretty offensive. Um, and the song is, someone can Google it if they want to, but it's not a good song because yes, all around the world, people do know it's Christmas. And uh, I think it could be really engaging and important for Christians in America to, uh, to understand what Christmas looks like around the world. And it would, if, if they approach that conversation with these postures of humility and curiosity, I think they could really learn a lot and be super encouraged about the global diversity and the global beauty of our faith. Um, I also think, you know, American Christians could invite international friends, especially think about an international student, maybe nearby or a newly arrived immigrant, whether they're Christian or not, they'll know that there's a holiday going on around them and, uh, and they'll feel potentially lonely. And so invite them into your home for the holiday. Uh, I think Americans could be really surprised at how blessed they are by engaging with international people and people of even other faiths on this particular holiday. So can you provide advice for missionary families celebrating the holiday abroad? It has been really good for my family to develop Christmas traditions that we can take anywhere with us. So obviously our tree, we're not going to pack up and bring it if we're traveling for Christmas, but we have spent a few Christmases in different countries and we have some traditions that we can do anywhere. So one is food. We can make our Christmas cookies anywhere we go. We have certain music that we play that this song, you know, I can put it in my phone and we can play it anywhere we go. Our favorite kind of defining family Christmas tradition is that um, we have a foam WWF wrestling belt and we have a wrestling match every Christmas morning. And on the back of this belt will be the name of the person who wins the match. And so this belt has traveled with us in my luggage multiple times back and forth across the ocean. 
And we will wrestle in airports if we have to. We will wrestle in grandma's house or in our own house um, because this you know, has to happen for our family. So think about what sort of is our family ethos. My family loves to wrestle and play and be goofy and active and then create traditions around that that really bonds your family and that you can take with you anywhere. And then I would also encourage um, families living abroad to, so now you're the one who's internationally based. Um, think about your host community, this country that's hosting you and invite these friends into your holiday. Again, even if they're not Christian. So here in Djibouti, I can say to my, my Somali friends, you know, it's Christmas and I'm, I'm feeling a little bit lonely. I really miss my family. Will you come and be with me? Will you come and make Christmas cookies with me? I know it's not your tradition, but I just really want to be with people I love today. And I love you. Would you come and celebrate? And they would be so honored to do things like that with you. So simple, but so um, needed. I think mm -hmm. sometimes these small, simple things are uh, uh, dismissed or uh, ignored because uh, we are not intentional about things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so before we close out today's episode, is there anything else you would like to add to this conversation or this episode? Yeah, I just wanted to share a little bit about how Christmas has come alive to me by living here. Um, you know, I grew up in the sub suburbs of Minnesota. And so being in a desert country where there's shepherds, and I've literally seen shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night, uh, has really helped the Christmas story to come alive. And so there's, you know, I've been in homes where women have given birth in their home, and there's sheep and goats gathering in, in the evening in the home. Of course, women here also give birth in the hospitals, but not everyone. And, uh, and so in those ways, I can picture Mary and Jesus. Or um, one night when we were driving to the Christmas Eve service at our church, we were following behind a donkey cart. And mm -hmm. in this donkey cart was a pregnant woman and a man. And I thought, oh, that could be Mary and Joseph going to Jerusalem. Um, and there is a book by Kenneth Bailey called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. And I believe it's the first chapter in this book where he really unpacks Christmas in the very historical and cultural context in which Jesus was born. And, uh, and so reading that book, it kind of puts words to my experiences that I've seen here. And I would encourage Christians, you know, read that book or, or just think about all the things there is still to learn. I'm learning all these incredible things about my own faith by living in a Muslim country, approaching even our own holiday with this idea that there's more here for me. There's always more that God has for me in this place or this, this topic to explore. Um, I just want, I would love for Christians to be blessed with that sense of excitement about what God can offer. Yeah. I, that this, this is my favorite season. Mm. Um, Christmas season. It's just so amazing. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It gives us uh, uh, so many opportunities. And part of the reason is, you know, coming from Pakistan, this was just one of those things we were able to uh, share with other people and uh, Muslims uh, actually often um, joined us for uh, either uh, um, uh, processions we did or some sort of activities. So it was, it was fun. Um, Rachel, if uh, listeners want to get in touch with you or find your book, what are the easiest ways? I'm on Twitter, Rachel Pye Jones. And my website is also rachelpiejones.com. I have a newsletter through Substack. You can find links to it on my website. 
And then the books are everywhere that books are sold. And I always encourage people to purchase them through a local independent bookstore if possible. They can always order it. Yeah, that's actually actually a good advice. Um, we will add that to the, the in the description of this episode as well. So people have access to your uh, contact information. And for the last thing, because we talk about heavy topics, even today, I think today's topic was very good topic. This is one of those topics makes me excited. So, uh, but still, I want to finish with a joke. So would you like to tell us a joke? I remember from the last podcast interview that I told a local story with a joke and you got the punchline, which was fantastic. So people have to go back and listen to that. so I thought I would give you some Djibouti jokes, if that's okay. Yes, and, uh, please. Some apologies to anyone who feels offended if this is making Djibouti the butt of jokes, but here we go. Uh, if God calls you to Djibouti, does that mean that you experienced a booty call? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to keep these PG. They can get pretty pretty raunchy. Uh, where is Djibouti? It is between Jalegs and Jabak. What happens when there is an earthquake in Africa? Shake, 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 Djibouti. <laughs> Djibouti is especially beautiful in the moonlight. And then the last one is, and I'm going to make a fart joke on a podcast. But Oh my gosh, for real? <laughs> the major export of Djibouti is natural gas. Oh my God. <laughs> so these are just terrible, but they're always oh my God. joke around, try to come up with some new ones. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, that adds to the celebration of Christmas and holidays. <laughs> so seasonal greetings to everybody. Thank you so much for being on the show again. That was uh, Rachel Pye Jones, author and writer. And thank you to all our listeners. We truly could not do this without you. If you learned something, have a topic suggestion, or would like to leave, a, leave us a feedback, drop us a note at our urbanvoices.com be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast tune in next week for more honest discussions from diverse voices you've been listening to our urban voices with dr alphonse javed which presents christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry please check back for new episodes every week